Welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about real life. And now, here's your host and my friend, David Higginbotham. Good afternoon, Tom. It's good to get together with you again. How are you? Hey, doing great. That's good. Doing great. Yeah, we're, uh, oh, and good afternoon to you who are listening. Uh, welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast. I'm David Higginbotham, and my friend is Tom Kalanov. Tom Kalanov. Yes, yeah, so we, we do this on a fairly regular basis. Yes. We're, we're in the middle of a series of, uh, of bonus podcasts. Our typical podcasts interview people about how they have discovered the grace and the mercy and the love and the peace of God along the way in their lives. Uh, but we're doing some, a series of uh, podcasts covering what we call six key elements to learning to thrive in life. And this is element number four, and we call this spirit walk. Yes. Learning to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, Tom, when you hear the word Holy Spirit, what does that bring up in your mind? Well, uh, do you mean now or do you mean uh, years ago? Because... Years ago. What did it bring up into your mind years oh, ago? Oh. Years ago, it was like, these people are weird. They don't know anything about the Bible. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? There, there is, there has been in uh, the modern day American uh, Christian church, um, a hesitancy about the Holy Spirit. Um, I think there's been a lack of understanding about that. But there have also been some real challenges that the typical or the average American Christian has because of some of the stuff that they've been exposed to, which was theoretically the Holy Spirit. And uh, so what developed over the years before I came to faith back in the early 70s is that there there had even started at that point in time um uh, there because there was still residuals from the Pentecostal movement that started in the early 1900s and and then a ver- number of ver- revival things that took place leading up to 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 what I consider to be my time um there was a there was a hesitancy and a resistance to everything related to the Holy Spirit, unless it was something that was very specifically written in the Bible. And uh, there developed what I call the tragic dichotomy of the spirit and truth camps. And I had been born into and raised in one branch of the, of the spirit camp, mm-hmm. but I, I hadn't, I had never encountered God and I never found faith there. But a number of years later, I did encounter God uh, and came to know Christ through the ministry and through a connection with a group of people who were a part of the truth camp. Mm. And so over the years, I I have spent time in both of those camps, and uh, spirit camp and truth camp, and have seen m- numerous different expressions of both of those. But one of the things that I came to believe uh, quite a few years ago was that the spirit camp, they don't have as much spirit as they think they do. And the truth camp doesn't have as much truth as they think they do. <laughs> and and uh, so it, it, it still exists and it's still very much an issue. The, the problem is though, if you believe you can have the spirit without truth, you misunderstand the nature of God and both the spirit and 
the truth. Because, you know, Jesus said uh, to the woman at the Samaritan well, he said, there's coming a time and is now, it's even here, when the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So Jesus didn't separate spirit from truth. Humans, modern Americans have separated spirit from truth, and it creates a real problem. And I'm sure you've you've, uh, experienced some of that in your own life as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you've hit on some elements, but if you were going to just give a, just a reader's digest, just, okay, here's kind of what the spirit camp has looked like over the years. Here's what the truth camp has looked like. And some of the key distinctions between them, you've already hit on some things, but I don't know if you want to do that. Well, the the, the truth camp pretty much revolves around um, uh, fundamentalism, uh, the fundamentalists and uh, the evangelicals, evangelicalism within the United States. There's a really strong focus on, there's a strong focus on preaching the scripture at the center of their meetings. And to, uh, to so many uh, in the truth camp, the preaching is the most, ex- most important thing that happens in the life of the church. Conversely, in the spirit camp, there's been a strong, strong emphasis on, on uh, worship and on the experiential nature of the Christian faith. Um, in where, where you, you know, you go to church and you have a good time and, uh, the, the truth camp focuses on, you go to church and you get preached at real well. And, and if it's doing, if it's done really good, you come away feeling kind of bad because, you know, the preacher beat up on you today. And in the, in the spirit camp, you go to church and you get happy and you, you shout hallelujah, and you, you, you look for the, the supernatural things to be happening or the non-normal things to be happening. And, and, and here's something that I want to be really clear about. There are wonderful, God-loving people in both of those camps. This is not a group. This is not where this group is. This, this group is bad. And the other group is good. Frankly, there's plenty of bad and there's plenty of good in both camps because they're occupied by human beings and we carry the bad and the good sort of with us as we go along. So, um, the, the, the truth camps, uh, have been uncomfortable with the emotionalism quote unquote, and the excesses quote unquote of mm-hmm. the spirit camp. And the spirit camp has oftentimes been uncomfortable with the, um, the the nature of the nature of the preaching and the nature of the focus of the church gatherings and that they don't you know the 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 spirit camp tends to think that the 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 truth camp has left the spirit out mm-hmm. and the truth camp seems to think or has believed that the spirit camp has left the truth out because their understanding of the truth is how it's preached in the service and or how it's written in the books. And so there, there's one's focused on truth as they understand it. The other is focused on spirit as they understand it. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the thing is, we, we've got to come to the place where we learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. 
And, and we have to learn to embrace the mystery that exists within Christianity, within the faith itself. Um, and nobody has, nobody has it all. You know, no, nobody has it all. And my preferences are going to probably have me leaning toward one or the other. Sure. But I have to realize that if I'm if I want to find a place of of maturity, and if I want to find a place of of substance in my life and my walk with God, I'm going to have to embrace both. Right now, now that doesn't mean that I'm going to have to accept everything that's in the truth camp as being legitimate, or that I'm going to have to accept everything that's in the 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 spirit camp as being legitimate. Doesn't mean right. that at all. Right. It means that I can't build a wall between myself and other brothers and sisters in Christ and say, I'm not going to have anything to do with those people. The, the inconvenient truth, uh, to, to use the term truth, the inconvenient, the in, inconvenient reality, Tom, is that everything God does in the world today, he does by the Holy Spirit. Right. And when, when the people in the truth camp have... Uh, a great service, and the pre the the word is uh, the word is preached with power and anointing, and people get convicted, and they their hearts are changed, and they go away embracing a different thing. That happens by virtue of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And so the the, the it, it's not that I'm just going to embrace what I'm comfortable with. I have to realize that there's a mystery involved here, um, and the mystery is that the God of the universe has come to be with us and to indwell us and to engage with us in our world and in our place. And we've got to recognize that that mystery is a reality and that I'm not always going to be comfortable with what God does. I'm going to say it again. I'm not always going to be comfortable with what God does. I'm also not always going to be right when I think about what God approves of. Right. Yeah. Because there are a lot more things in life that we deal with than is, is mentioned in the scripture. So we have to learn to the the title of this, this, this episode is about spirit walk. We have to learn how to walk with the spirit. There's a phrase keeping in step with the spirit. Mm We have to learn how to recognize that whatever God is doing in the world, he's doing it in and through and by his Holy Spirit. And if I'm a truth person, I'm going to have to get, uh, I'm going to have to get more comfortable with the spirit. I just really am. If I'm a quote unquote spirit person, I'm going to have to get more, I'm going to have to get more comfortable with engaging with the the truth of God that is there in the scriptures and there in the body of Christ and is being preached, however it gets come. So I've got to be comfortable with both spirit and truth because it's the thing that the Father's looking for when we engage with him. Mm. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. So it's <clears throat> it's important that I go uh it's it's important that I go away. Because, and, and of course, the disciples thought that was a great idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're going, oh, wonderful. Yeah. I, I've got to go away so that the spirit of truth can come. You know, he, he told his disciples that, that 
they would know the spirit of truth because he had been with them, but he was going to be in them. John 14, he's having this conversation. <clears throat> They're going, what? The spirit of truth? You, you will know him, Jesus said, because he's been with you. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we tend to think in terms of the Godhead as being, uh, you know, there's the Father and there's the Son and there's the Spirit. And they're all off doing their own stuff. But the, 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 no, the, the Scripture clearly shows us the, the unity right. of the Trinity. And he said, if I don't go away, the Spirit's not going to come. Because remember, Jesus was a human. He could be in one place at one time. Right. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Right. Wasn't limited by the limitations, physical limitations of humanity. So he said, it's important that I go away. And I I think I would have had a hard time with that. You know, Uh, Jesus saying it's important that I go away. And I think, oh, wait, 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 no, no, no. But what happened was it was, uh, you know, I used the term a little while ago. It was a game changer. Things, things moved into a whole different level than, than they had before. And, He's going to be in you. That's amazing. Now, see, every believer has received the Holy Spirit. Right. If you haven't received the Spirit, if you if a if a person does not have the Spirit of God within them, then they are they're not they're not a believer. Mm-hmm. And it's so matter of fact, Paul described it as an earnest. Deposit, like you described it, like an earnest deposit. You put, you're going to buy a house, and I'm in real estate, and I, I deal with this on a fairly regular basis. Someone wants to buy a house, they write up the contract, and they they give the contract to the seller, and then they give them an earnest check. It's a deposit which shows the buyer is serious. Yeah, and so the earnest of the Holy Spirit, the earnest deposit of the Holy Spirit is that portion of what ultimately we will receive, indicating that the Father is serious. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. The, the, the deposit of God within us is the deposit of that which is we're going to ultimately experience down the road. Now, there's a mystery for you. Talk about mystery. So, we have a little outline David put together here and you talk about my sheep hear my voice and you say how quoting John 10, 27. There's a lot of believers. I was one of them that the only way God speaks to me is through scripture. And I, I, I would definitely early in my Christian walk was one of them. And now you, you, hit on this a little earlier, but now that we, I'm realizing there is so much more that God wants to tell us. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that is not covered in the scripture. I think you said earlier. Well, and sure so, are. so how do we, how would, if, if somebody's wondering, how do I hear his voice? What would, what would you say? Well, I would, first of all, say it's important to realize that Jesus did not say, <clears throat> my sheep shall read my words. <laughs> Because if, 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 if the only way we can hear Jesus is by um, reading his words, 
then that we should, we could easily get rid of a whole bunch of the scripture because the words of Jesus are a very, very small minority of the completed canon of scripture. Right. Okay. So let's begin there. Secondly, he said, my sheep shall hear my voice. He's using an, an, uh, an agricultural metaphor to, to, to talk about the reality of God by the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, the spirit of truth is going to come and he's going to be in you. You'll know him. You'll know him. Isn't that interesting? Because he's been with you. He's been with you, but he's going to be in you. I would love to have experienced him being with me in the way that Jesus described, but that was just for those guys. Right. Everybody else from that point on knows him by, because he is in us. He's going to be in you. And it's, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. There are a number of things that the script, number of titles and names that the, the scriptures give to the Holy Spirit. But so he is implying that he's going to lead you into all truth is one of the things that he said. It is, it is the spirit of God in me, the spirit of God in me that speaks to me through a variety of ways. Does he speak to me through the scripture? Absolutely. Regularly. The time before we got together today, I had some time and I was, I was just, enjoying some time reading in, in the gospel of John. I just got a, a, a new translation of a new Testament. I do that every once in a while, every few years. <clears throat> so I can read in a different translation because you get used to reading it and, and hearing it in a right. certain way. And it's, it's, and God's just speaking to me, stirring in my heart by reading the words of Jesus specifically. Yeah. And, and, and he does speak to us through the scripture. He also speaks to us through uh, through nature. He, have you ever been out by yourself early in the morning, and maybe the mist is rising over a lake or a beautiful setting, and you just feel that sense of of closeness and presence of God? Totally. And, and God speaks to us. Jesus said some very specific things. He says, "By the way, when He speaks, He will speak the things of Me." He will speak to you the things that I give him. He's going to speak to you, and he's going to speak of me. Right. And so it, we don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not weird, any more weird than the rest of the Godhead is weird. Is it a mystery? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it really is. And I'm telling you right now that none of us truly understand. We believe, mm-hmm. but we don't all. We just don't understand it. It's beyond our ability to comprehend and understand in totality. Now, we know, what, we, we know enough, and we can know enough to get by and to engage with him and to walk with him. But none of us are experts on God. There are no experts on God. Right. And anybody who says they are, they've got something to sell you. Right. So watch out. It, Jesus said he is going to speak of me. So I think learning to hear Jesus's voice means we have to quieten our hearts and our minds and be open to hear him through the Holy Spirit speaks as he speaks. It also means we need to learn how to discern what his voice is from other voices. Speak to that because that is, that is, that's huge. It is huge. 
I can, I can, uh, I can speak to myself, my will, my own determination when I'm trying to make a decision, when I'm trying to discern what is the right thing to do. I'll have other voices speaking to me through counsel or through logic or through reasoning or through some message that I saw on, uh, on Facebook or, or something that I saw on YouTube or in a book I read. There, all of these different voices speak into our lives from the culture, from the church, from our community, from our family, from our friends. We have, a, we have this almost an unending stream of voices that want to speak to us. Mm-hmm. We've got to learn to discern what is and what is not the voice of God. And I use the term learn very specifically because it means we're going to make mistakes. Some of those mistakes are going to come from immaturity. Some of those mistakes are going to come from misunderstandings. Right. Perhaps we misunderstand something that the scripture says, or we misunderstand uh, something that someone has told us or some of the counsel. Sometimes we make a mistake because we just didn't get enough counsel. There's a variety of things. Here's the thing that I've learned in life, Tom, and I've been, I've been on this journey now for almost 50 years. It's not the mistakes that are going to get you in serious trouble. (laughs) If you make a mistake, you catch it, you own it, you correct it and you move on. It's not the mistakes they're going to get you in trouble. It's the mistakes that lead to bad choices that you don't want to let go of that are going to get you in trouble. See, mistakes, we've grown up in an environment where mistakes equal sin. Right. And uh, nobody sins accidentally. You can make a mistake accidentally. I should have turned left and I turned right. I actually thought the best way to go was right. And I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so learning to discern his voice is a journey. It's a process. You see, Jesus grew in his maturity in, in the, in the estimate and Luke, Luke two fifty two. It, it, it's 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 right after uh, the discussion about what happened when Jesus was twelve and he was at the they went to the Jerusalem and he was at the temple and they were looking for him and parents were all worried about him and they finally catch up with him and he says didn't wouldn't you know I needed right. to be at my father's house mm-hmm. well yeah 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 but you shouldn't have done this he was wrong any parent any parent who has a twelve year old who runs off and does something on their own and they think he's lost and they spend three days looking for him. Mm -hmm. That parent is going to tell you, you shouldn't have done that. No, no, he was Jesus. No, he made a mistake. There's a difference between making a mistake that an immature 12 year old will make Mm -hmm. and sin. Well, you can't say that about Jesus. Well, yes, I can. Do you think, (laughs) do you think when he exactly what I was thinking, it's going to be people. Do you do you think Jesus knew how to change his own diaper? Do, Probably do, not. Do you, do you think he knew how to use a spoon? Do you think he knew how to walk? Mm-mm. 
He began walking about the time when children learned to walk. He was potty trained at about the time when generally children are potty trained. He might have wet his bed occasionally after that because that's something that does happen. Do you think Jesus, uh, the first time he tried to do some woodworking with Joseph and help build something, that it was a perfect thing? No. No. Wow. He he grew in maturity and stature with God and man, Luke 2.52. Right. He, we, we look at, oh, this amazing thing. You know, I'm, I'm not saying Jesus shouldn't have gone to the temple. I'm saying he went off by himself and didn't tell his parents. It was, you know, that's not a good thing to do, even in those days. And any parent who says, oh, it was wonderful, this thing that Jesus did would be absolutely livid at their 12-year-old who did that. Absolutely. So maturity... Maturity means, among other things, learning to enjoy the Holy Spirit as my constant companion. Mm-hmm. See, it's one of those things that I, I've, I have to realize. You know what? I'm not real comfortable with this Holy Spirit thing. You know, maybe I grew up in a in a very conservative or you know a Baptist kind of background, or Presbyterian, or or a background that doesn't have those kinds of typical expressions that I've come to associate with people who are involved with the Holy Spirit. They worship differently than I do. They're a lot more boisterous than I am. I'm a little more, you know, perfectly fine. But here's the thing. I'm either going to have to learn how to find a comfort level with the presence of the Holy Spirit, or I'm not going to be engaging with what God is up to. Mm -hmm. Now, what God is up to doesn't always look like a charismatic revival. It it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Now charismatics aren't real happy about that. And the truth and the truth that God is expressing and and leading people into doesn't always sound like uh, uh, you know a Baptist preaching revival. It, it just mm-hmm. it, it, those are our mindsets, but they're not they're not the measure of balance. Right. Here's the truth of it. it. Here's the truth of it. Really. When God was prophesying about the coming of the Messiah and about him invading our world, really, I mean, one of the things that he said is that this this prince that's coming, this king that's coming, is going to be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, if we had lived during the time that Jesus walked the face of the earth, most of us would have been shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Let's not kid ourselves about that. And God was physically with them. And the overwhelming majority of the people missed it. In today's world, God is just as with us now as he was physically then. He is just as much spiritually with us now. Actually, he's with us now in a greater way than he was then. Just as real, but it's a greater way. And God is with us by the presence of his Holy Spirit in our lives. And the challenge to us is that we have to determine whether we're going to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. 
and we're going to allow him to determine what that means. And if you're raised in a Pentecostal charismatic kind of, kind of history, <clears throat> you're going to have to rethink some of your stuff. Because what, you've, you, what you have generally accepted as being spirit, all of it's not. And listen, I just know, you know because we've got humans involved here. And if you're raised right. on, the, on the, more, the more evangelical Baptist side of things and truth is really important to you, that's really wonderful. But you're going to have to deal with some of this stuff because a lot of the stuff you've called truth isn't. Right. Exactly. You know, and I've, I've had a wide variety of denominational backgrounds, you know, and I know you have as well. And it's, and I'm not picking on anybody, but it's, it's funny that some of the charismatic Pentecostal expressions are almost as liturgical as the most orthodox liturgical expression because you know at this time this person's going to dance and at this time this person's going to shout and at this time this person and so it's not (laughs) criticizing that it's just we don't we we're we are not the final arbiters of what is truth and what is spirit he is well yeah i mean he, he he's the one he's the one who gets to tell us what is legit not our tradition, not our interpretation of the scripture, and that'll get me in trouble with some folks. He's the one, and he's the one we have to keep in step with, Tom. He's the one that we have to walk with. If we want to thrive in life, if we want to thrive in life, one of the things that's going to help us do that is learning how to walk with the Spirit learning how to keep in step with the Spirit, learning how to be comfortable with the reality of of finding this balance of spirit and truth, learning how to be comfortable with the journey of learning to hear his voice, and learning that if I thought I heard his voice, and it turns out later that I was mistaken, the world doesn't end. My life doesn't end. I back up. I say, okay, wow, okay, how do I... How do I learn from this? Jesus, will you take me on a journey mm-hmm. of learning to hear your voice? And I think that's the kind of thing most of us can pray. Jesus, will you help me? Will you help me learn what it means to keep in step with you by your Holy Spirit who's in my life? If we can find that place, and if that can become our prayer, then I think we're well on our way to learning how to thrive. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. I think that probably wraps it up for today. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good. Friends, thanks for joining us in our little conversation here. We appreciate you doing that. We'll be back uh, in the next week or so with another bonus episode. And until then, Godspeed to you. God bless. Thank you for choosing the Learning to Thrive podcast. We hope you have been encouraged. Please check the show notes where you can learn more about today's episode. Give us a rating, tell your friends, and join us again next week. Together, we are learning to thrive.